welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Less Doing, more living, more living, more living, more living. Hi, I'm Ari Mizell, and this is the art of less doing. I'm going to teach you how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life, including your health, in order to be more effective. I want you to stress less, free up as much time as possible, and do the things you want to do. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 210. And today is a slightly special episode because of travel schedules. Nick and I were not able to get together to do our usual podcast episodes. So I wanted to share a recording from a series I did with Creative Live uh, about two years ago. And this is actually some material that some of you may not have heard before because at the time it wasn't something that I had really built out as an idea. And I haven't written about it or talked about it too much, but this is the idea of being the brick breaker. And really what this is about is thinking as many steps ahead as you can to try to anticipate how a task or a project or something else might go so that you can go back to focusing on what you need to do. So I'm not going to give you any more than that. It's about a 15-minute clip. Uh, I was live on stage in front of a studio audience. It was a really cool experience. Creative Live is great, by the way. And this is one section of the two full days of presentations that I did for Creative Live. So I hope you enjoy it. And next week, we'll have a regular full episode with you with all sorts of fun links and everything else. So have a great productive week, everyone. The Less Doing Podcast pulls together the top experts in the industry to help you optimize, automate, and outsource everything in your life so you can start doing the things you really want to do again. What would you do if you could only work an hour a day? Would you crumble or would you thrive? When I was sick with Crohn's disease, I was faced with that reality because there were days when I literally couldn't eke out more than an hour of work a day. And I had to figure out ways to not only get everything done, but get more done than I was doing before. And that is how Less Doing was born. Less Doing is about you. It's the easiest way to learn and implement a huge amount of productivity tips into your life in a short amount of time. Whether you're a crazy busy business owner, a tired executive in a large company, or a stressed out soccer mom, We've brought it all together for you to help you overcome the overwhelm in your life. For the latest how-tos and actual tips on becoming more productive, sign up for my newsletter over at lessdoing.com. But I want to offer you all something more. As listeners of this podcast, I want to give you the opportunity to get on the phone with one of my Less Doing certified coaches. I've trained each one of them myself, and they really know what they're doing. The first call is completely free. And you will get some real advice and tips on how you can be more productive in your life and get back to making things easier again. Being the brick breaker. (laughs) So uh, if any of you have had, uh, well, actually, it's not just on the BlackBerry, but the BlackBerry has the game on it. The brick breaker game. People know the brick breaker game? Everyone know that? No? Okay. No? No? No. No. Well, I mean, who would have a BlackBerry? (laughs) (laughs) uh, The Brick Breaker game is one of the older video games, but basically you have this like wall of bricks, like, you know, whatever, like that. And you have this paddle and a ball. And you have to bounce the ball into the bricks and break the bricks. And it's a lot of fun. Um, But so there's like the, uh, the screen is like this and the bricks are like here. So if you're really good, you can bounce the ball up over and behind the bricks, and then it hits a bunch of bricks on the top, and then you're really killing it. So 
basically the idea here is that not just with outsourcing, but with email and all sorts of stuff, you want to have absolutely the bare minimum of touch on this stuff possible. Just enough so that you know what's going on and that you can check what's going on. But other than that, you need to almost completely remove yourself. And this speaks to what I was talking about before about progress begetting progress and moving that needle just a little bit. You just want to hit the ball, let it go and hit the brick, and know nothing about it until it comes back to you. And if you're really good and you can foresee the, the steps into the future, then you can get it up behind the wall and hit 13 bricks before it comes back to you. It really is a good analogy for that. So, for example, with Fancy Hands, if you send a task, you, you get a, uh, a, an immediate email back with a confirmation. By the way, I should point out, you can also call Fancy Hands and leave a voicemail, and then people will deal with that as well, which is great if you're in the car or if you have a kid in each hand. So with the being the brick breaker idea, you don't want to get very involved if you don't have to. You don't want to have to deal with the nitty-gritty. You want to just kind of hit it off, let someone else deal with it, put the ball in their court, as it were, and then get it back and just have that bare, bare minimum of knowledge. So in my case, all I know on Fridays is I get that email saying that the task has been assigned to do the post. And then the next thing I know is that on my Feedly, I have a new blog post from my blog. Nothing in between, nothing before that, nothing after that. That's four seconds of my life. But it's four seconds that allows me to know that things are working. Because, and, and especially if it doesn't work, they're going to write to me and say, well, I, you know, I couldn't access this for some reason, or this didn't work. And then I hit it off, I say, okay, do this, and I'm done again. It's always being done. It's like always be, you know, always be closing, this is always be done. I don't know if that reference falls on deaf ears. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, so always be done. You want to be done, because all day long now you're done. You're doing things, you're getting done, you're getting stuff accomplished. And even in those micro-tasks, that micro-touch, that tiny little bit of involvement that you need to have, it's enough to sort of oversee your empire of, over, of uh, outsourcing, if you will. So this is actually why I kind of push back a little bit on that idea of having an, an overarching you know, outsourced person, because you really don't need to have that level of involvement in a way. You don't have to get into dealing with someone having to manage all that stuff, because you just have to have a little bit of touch on each thing and take the bare minimum of time. Again, just enough to know that things are working. Ari, we're getting a couple of questions about um, what can't virtual assistants do. Aaron wants to know, are there things that you would not recommend delegating to them? And Mad Trends wants to know if there are hands-off categories for virtual assistants. Okay. We're PG here, right? We're <laughs> G. Um, so, although no, that's not true. Um, okay, are there things that I wouldn't have virtual assistants do? So I would say the only thing that I have never had a virtual assistant do is physically or is actually log into my banking website. And that's not a trust thing. It's because I've never had the need. Um, there's always been some sort of workaround or something that made it so that that wasn't necessary. But other than that, if you're working with a company that has some sort of reputation and that, um, not that US-based is better, but if, it, if you are US-based and the company is US-based, then there's sort of like an automatic amount of accountability there because you have something to, to go after if you really need to. No, there really isn't anything that I would say I wouldn't have a virtual assistant do. Of course, keeping in mind that 
if it can't be done remotely, then they can't do it, right? So if we're talking about physical, real-world things, there's other ways to do that, which we're going to talk about in the, not the next segment, but maybe the one after. But they can call people for you. They can make appointments for you. They can make reservations for you. Maybe you don't want to have them talk to your mother for you or your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or whatever. Uh, but sometimes maybe you do. You know, if, you, if, if you're going to be completely you know, occupied in something and you need them to get certain information. If you're in a meeting and you can't possibly make a phone call and you can't text a loved one for some reason or whatever, that might be a good situation where you would have a virtual assistant. Like you can send them an email and say, I need you to call this, you know, do this and then contact my wife and find out what they want to do, whatever it might be. It's true. Um, hopefully they understand that the efficiency wins above the other stuff in that case. But, so no, they, it, it basically a virtual assistant can do anything that can be done remotely. And I would, I would stick with that. Are there hands-off things? You can have a virtual assistant do something that's illegal. <laughs> uh, so there, you can't have them find out where to get illicit drugs. You can't have them do those kinds of things. Um, you can't. I make that clear enough. Can't. But... Um, if the virtual assistant doesn't have an issue with it, then there's really nothing that's, that's hands-off. And quite frankly, people in the adult film industry probably use virtual assistants. So it really amounts to the level of comfort that the person has with the work that you're doing. And as I said before, they may not be a good fit for you. You may not be a good fit for them. And so that might just require having a different relationship with someone else. Uh, you know, if, if you work... Actually, I have a good example of someone who had an issue. Um, they were someone who was doing a lot of calls where they were uh, uh, pushing people to collect money uh, who had not paid. I think it was rent payments or something like that. And they would have their virtual assistant call, and the people that they were calling were getting fairly abusive with the assistant that kept calling. So that was something that that person didn't feel comfortable doing anymore. And quite honestly, it's not fair anyway. So does that mean that it can't be done by a virtual assistant? No, it means it can't be done by that one. But there are plenty of services that just deal with collecting money. And they're meaner and tougher than the persons that they're calling. So they specialize in that. So it might just be a different case, a different use case in that situation. So let's not be too specific about it just being virtual assistants, basically. Outsourced specialists or generalists. Pretty much nothing that you can't have them do. So basically, all of these things kind of integrate in various ways. You know, the human autoresponder is one example, but the one about having the task automatically assigned for the, 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 the blog post is another one. It's sort of what I call like the holy grail, where you're automating the outsourcing. So you also have to realize that a lot of these things can actually be done by completely automated services. Okay, so sometimes you don't even need to get to the virtual assistant point. Uh, a good example is wake-up calls. There's a service called Waker Upper. And Waker Upper is a free service. It's a website where you put in your number, you put in the time you want, and you put in a message that a computer voice will read. And it's Waker Upper with no E at the end. It's U-P-P-R. You have a mobile app. It works great. You know, so that's the kind of thing where somebody would be like, oh, yeah, I need a wake-up call, but... Maybe your virtual assistant doesn't work those hours. And also with a service like Fancy Hands, because it's an on-demand service, you can't, uh, usually you cannot ask for something at a specific time. It's to give it like a bit of a window. So wake her upper. There's uh, services, well, follow-up.cc is obviously a great example as too for reminders. You know, I would never tell like a virtual assistant, oh, remind me to do this in two weeks. 
It's just not a good use of those resources. And again, this speaks to what I was talking about throughout this about optimizing, automating, and outsourcing, is that we have to look at that automation and that optimization first before we can even consider outsourcing this stuff. And again, it allows you to sort of take advantage of if you're using a service that you know, has a limited number of tasks for you to use or you want to produce a high volume of stuff that they just you can't expect a person to do. So there's uh, things like that. And then uh, services that will, you know, you can automatically order things or, or food ordering sometimes is also one of those things like with uh, Seamless Web or food uh, menu pages, those kind of things where you, it, for you to describe what you want and then have an assistant call, you may be waiting 30 minutes for them to actually make the call. So in those cases, it's not necessarily good to go with a virtual assistant. But other than that, there's no harm in trying. Because as I said, you'll get a response from someone who is in a completely different sort of state of mind, a different perspective than you have, and you can build and learn how to better do that task. Do any other questions coming in? Keep going if you have more to cover. Okay, well, I, I, so I, I would love to hear, though, if there's things that people are thinking about, can I have this outsourced? I'm really interested in that kind of thing because everyone has a sort of different goal. We have a, a few of those. Um, okay. Sam Cox wants to know if um, they could ask a virtual assistant to take a picture for me of, say, what Times Square looks like right now, kind of a virtual uh -huh. photographer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There is a service that does exactly that, and it's called, I think, and I can check on this later, but I think it's called Go See It. Uh, and basically, it's a service that was developed for people buying things on eBay uh, so that you can have someone local verify it for you and go make sure and take a picture of it. But it's basically an outsourced service around the world where somebody can take a picture of you. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. Of course, you could look at, there's plenty of live webcams, I think, in Times Square. But uh, no, so that would be a real-world task that you would not have a virtual assistant do. But there are certainly outsourced services, as I said, that will allow you to do that. Tula Bloom wants to know if... Um Someone needed to be sued, and uh, they mm -hmm. wanted to serve papers but didn't have an address. Could Fancy Hands find the person? Mm. That's a good one. Okay, so absolutely. So as I said, you know, a lot of so virtual assistants, as I said, in essence, are customer service people in a way. But they're also investigators. They have to sort of figure out some of the time, sometimes, what you need and how to get it done better. So finding out where someone lives or where they uh, are currently hiding is uh, a very good thing. And even if that means that the assistant says, like, oh, I found this service that for $20 I can buy a record on them and then they can do that for you. So that's a really good example. However, in all the outsourcing I've done, one of the more fun things that I've ever found was an investigative service. Uh, so I, I think I got the idea when I saw Wedding Crashers and the guy calls his friend to look up where the guys are actually from. And you see that in movies all the time where somebody like has a private investigator on staff. And I was always curious, like, how does that work? Who has private investigators that they can just call? So I wanted one. So I found, <laughs> I found a company, I think it's called Omni Investigative Services, and they basically will run background checks and do surveillance or do whatever you kind of need around the U.S. And they manage it from, they have their own network of people that do this stuff. So I've actually used that several times for real estate stuff and just to find out more information about various people, but of course now there's apps like Refresh that will kind of tell you everything you need to know about somebody based on social media, which is kind of scary in itself. Including, 
I've heard of several cases of that where people were looking to serve papers, for instance, and they found where the person was based on social media. So might want to look into that. Um, Richie is asking a question about the amount of detail that you supply when you're delegating, and if you could give an example about the amount that you put into a please do email, for instance. Mm. Or Let, if it's a template as well. Oh, yeah. Is that a template that you Less built? is more. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I have been intentionally vague on several occasions, and I continue to do so with virtual assistants because sometimes you don't want it. So this is, this is going to sort of contradict a little bit, but it's not that you're not providing the task properly, but sometimes you don't want to pigeonhole someone into doing something your way when their way may be better. So occasionally I will be intentionally vague in the way that I need something done, knowing that they may write back to me and ask for more information. And that's perfectly all right. There's nothing wrong with, with getting it wrong the first time, as I said. And you start to learn the level of detail that you need. But if it is a process that I know is going to come up more often, then that is something that I will take the time to write down in an Evernote note. And then I simply will share that note with the assistant so that they can do it. Although, quite honestly, if it is a repetitive process, then you probably don't have to issue it yourself. As I said, with the Friday processes, I know that's once a week. I have other processes that are once a month or once every couple of weeks. And those can be automatically issued, referring to the Evernote note without you having to do it yourself. So. In that case, you want to provide a lot of detail, but it's not something that you have to write yourself each time. Basically, what we've gone over now, you know, this, this, all of this stuff that we've gone through is the external brain. And I want to run through that again really quickly because I, I, since we broke this up into two parts, I want to pull it all back together. So we talked about Evernote and the Aquanotes and followup.cc. And all of those are that external brain idea. Well, I'm mean, sorry, all of this is, but all of that is sort of the optimizing thing where you're, you're really optimizing the way that your thought processes work and the way that you get ideas, get your ducks in a row, basically. So that's the optimizing part. And then with the automation, we're looking at things, we were looking at IFTTT or IFT and Zapier, which not only can Optimize or automate the processes completely, but then they can even take it a step further and send them on to a virtual assistant service. So we got the optimize, we got the automate, and then we end up with the outsourcing, which is its own component. And in that case, I was recommending virtual for dedicated assistants and fancy hands for on-demand assistance. But then it all ties together, as I said, the example of the human autoresponder, where you're able to provide people the information they want on a quick basis, but someone is giving them a personal response. And then keeping all of this in mind while being the brick breaker, where you're just trying to move things forward and have as little touch as possible so that you know what's going on and you have your own checks and balances. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing podcast. If you want to find out more information of the show, we would love to hear from you. You can go to lessdoing.com where you can look at Ari's blog, see the show notes for this episode, and also look at all the other episodes before this. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you, and we'll play it on the show. You go to lessdoing.com, click on Contact, and look on the right side of the page where you'll see a, a Send Voicemail button. Click on that, and go ahead and record an audio message for us. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. Ari's Twitter handle is at Ari Mizell, and mine is at Felix Bird. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. See you next time.